Please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. It finally happened. We can. We're gonna get into all sorts of things, and we're gonna discuss. Yeah, obviously Niskanen, obviously Justin Braun, all of it. But I don't care. I really don't. Because Andrew McDonald is gone, and this is a celebratory podcast. Let's get right into it, fam. Uh, let me introduce to. Uh, let's lead it off with the Athletic.com's own Charlie O'Connor. And some of you didn't believe the Flyers were going to do stuff. Now, <laughs> doesn't mean that the stuff they were going to do was going to be smart. Yeah, but they were going to do stuff. Yeah, they've done stuff. They've got a bias for action. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The we fu- never specified if it was going to be good or not. Yeah, but it was going to be stuff. If I get shot, like that's action. It's just, it's it's bad, but <laughs> not for everyone. But yeah, I'm sure, some people will be like good, but yeah, like it's action. From uh, no wait, you're from Broad Street. Yeah, you are the me. fly by yourself, Kelly Hinkle. It feels like Andrew McDonald was bought out several years ago. Like so many <laughs> things have happened that I it's like I can't even remember the joy I felt. Uh, yeah, it's been Kelly. We were sitting here just a few minutes ago, and you said ah, they could have just kept Andrew McDonald. Yeah, and I said no, <laughs> absolutely not, absolutely not. Yeah, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna remain positive until my head explodes, which any day now. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm trying real hard. I'm trying real hard, real hard. to be the shepherd. <laughs> yeah, like, that's, I that's hate how, you too. That's how I feel right now. Like I want to feel good about this off season. I but want to. They're making it difficult. And filling in for Stephalicious D-Step Driver, we have the man, the myth, the melt. Jesus, that's words. Uh, just Jake Farringer. What's up, Jake? That's me. Friend of the pod. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's it's June 18th, right? It's June 18th, and I feel like every time Chuck Fletcher comes up on my Twitter feed, I have more questions than answers. That's a valid concern. Yeah. Like, and that's... That's where I'm going to start. That's where, Well, actually, first, I do have a hot take uh, myself here. Um, I don't know what he's bad at, but Mike Yo must be bad at something. Now, I'm not saying it's a bad hire, because I say all the time, like, bad, good assistants make bad head coaches. That's what happens, because mm-hmm. you did well at that job for so long, you eventually got a shot, and maybe you're just bad at being a head coach. We made the comparison to Jim Schwartz. I don't want Jim Schwartz within a hundred yards of head coaching a team, but a defensive coordinator? Yeah, sure, fine. Keep up the good work, buddy. Like that's that's all well and good. He's just not a good head coach. Watching the Blues win that Stanley Cup fam, I don't know what Mike Yo's bad at, but he's bad at something. Facial hair. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. Definitely that one. <laughs> All right, but no, the, uh, where I want to start is the Flyers have bought out Andrew McDonald. They traded Radko Gudis and what, like two thirds or, yeah, like two thirds of his salary uh, for Matt Niskanen. They just traded a second and a third round pick for Justin Braun. Right now, is the defense better than it was when we did this show last week? I, I Literally, my answer is, uh? I don't know. I have no idea. Like, know. maybe? Probably not. I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. Charles? I think it's probably better. But, it, but the fact that I'm saying probably probably is scary. Yeah. Because it really... The fact that they've they've added two guys and given up... Well, I guess the one was a swap and the other one... But the other one was... They gave up two assets. They gave up at least two future assets and one would think that this would be a slam dunk. Yes, the defense is better. And like, it could be. It could be if Matt Niskanen plays more like the Niskanen from two years ago, and if Justin Braun isn't, you know, one of the five worst defensemen in hockey as he is by goals above replacement from last year. If he's not that, then yeah, it's an improvement because what this theoretically does right now is it gives you a top six of, in, in some order, Provorov, Sanheim, Ghost, Myers, Braun, Niskanen, and that is, I think, better 
than number one than having Robert Hague in the top six. Right yeah. now, he's out of it. Um, so yeah, I, I, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. How, <laughs> but that's the thing. We'll see how it plays out in the end. Right now, yeah, I think it's probably a, a bit better. But again, the fact that I have to qualify that with probably bit of a concern. It is. It is a bit of a concern. And now I want to go through each one individually. I would start with Andrew McDonald because as my arch nemesis, um, he's taken up a lot of space in my head over the last, I don't know, four decades, however, however long he's been here. Uh, like it became a running joke on the post games last year. Just like whatever happened was Andrew McDonald's fault. Didn't ma- matter if he was in the game. Didn't matter if he was on the ice. Didn't matter if he was hurt. If whatever. He dressed for the game. It was yeah. just, yeah, it was just Andrew McDonald. It was on him. Uh, $1.17 million cap hit this year on the buyout. $1.92 next year. So it does extend the amount of time I have to see him on cap friendly. <laughs> but I have to scroll down further and I can avoid that if I have to. Like, what were your initial thoughts when you saw it happened with Andrew McDonald, finally? Well, given that it was the first move of this clump of moves, I was pretty psyched about it. I was yeah. like, okay, it they're committing. Well, no, yeah, came, yeah they're committing came, to making the team. It came after oh, the Niskanen deal. After Niskanen? Niskanen was Friday. Oh, McDonald okay, yeah, yeah, was, yeah, right. was Saturday early afternoon. Okay, I mushed them together in my head. Okay, yeah, but still, it, it said to me that they were at least identifying the fact that he was not good and removing him from the equation, which is not something that anyone else has done since we signed him. They sent him down for like five minutes. but Yeah, the, the one thing I'll say about, about Chuck Fletcher, and this is probably, I, I, I kind of wanted to tweet this on Saturday, but I just couldn't figure out the right way to word it. So instead, I'll try to figure out the right way to word it with words on a podcast. Um, is that the one thing that you can absolutely say he has done thus far and he has done well and it's been refreshing is that by his actions he has basically told the fans that you know all those players that you guys thought sucked i agree they sucked and i got rid of them all (laughs) and and like there is something to be said for that because ron hexel refused to do that yeah that's true like yuri latera gone Dale Weiss, gone. Christian Fallen, gone. Andrew McDonald, gone. Like, it is nice that he at least identified that these guys, like, for for so long on this show, we had been just screaming, these guys suck. How can these hockey people not realize that they're bad? How can they just keep throwing them out there and then telling us that, no, these guys are actually pretty good because of veteran presence? It, it has been nice that Chuck Fletcher has, with his actions, told us, yeah, you guys were right, they were bad. Like, it seemed as if half of Bill Clement's job description was telling us, no, actually, Andrew McDonald, good at hockey. <laughs> Like, I'm sorry. No, he is not. Mm -mm. And it made me, like Charlie said, I'm sitting here and they're running out. Like, you know who isn't good? Oscar Lindblom. Yori Laterra needs to play over him. Like, it makes me sit here and go, do I, do I, like, am I watching something else? Yeah, exactly. Is there something I'm missing that just doesn't show up when you actually just look at the game? Like, uh, it it made me crazy. And the fact that they have made that little acknowledgement, even if it's just a PR move, if deep down, the hockey men that run this team are like, Andrew McDonald's just as good as anyone we just brought in, but our fans will boo him on opening night. <laughs> we shouldn't allow that to happen. Good. Thank you for at least making the right decision, even if your reasoning was wrong. Like, uh, the Niskanen trade, guys. Um, I'll tell you my thoughts on it, and then I want to go around the table. Uh, he's got his ups and downs, and yes, last year w- was a down year. It looks like he could very well be in decline. He seems to do one thing well. Get the puck out of the defensive zone. That is the one thing the Flyers cannot do. Mm. So for that reason, and I'm going to lump both these trades together, with Niskin and Truba with this, when I see these, I think they're going to get partnered with, like we, or you, you know. Or Braun. Uh, yeah, true, but I, yeah. Braun, Niskanen <laughs> and Braun, when I look at these trades, I think they're going to get partnered with, you know, probably Provorov and Sanheim, if I had to just guess right now. And we're going to turn those two loose, and they're going to get to be really good hockey players. And Niskanen and Braun are going to kind of just do the stuff we hate that someone apparently has to do. That's what I'm looking at. I mean, if that's the way. Is it good or bad? I don't know, but that's what that's how I'm spinning it to myself to make it at least positive to start. Yeah, I mean, if that's the way it shakes out, it's certainly good, um, especially if they are, you know, actually 
defensively sound in their own zone. Like that's that sounds good. I would very much like to see Provorov and Sanheim let loose. The thing for me with the Niskanen trade, especially, is that first of all, I mean, Radko Gudis is actually good. Like, and I think that's something that Flyers fans overlooked a lot because he's goony and has a reputation, but he's actually good defenseman. And I always imagined that he would be traded, but I also imagined that when he was, it would be for something good, like something that was like without question an asset. And I think that Niskanen is a gamble. And not only that, but you retained salary. So you're you're saying that was the surprising part to me. It didn't make any sense to me, but I, I think it was Charlie who said it first that like that's them saying we wanted Matt Niskanen so badly yeah. that we were willing to extra help a team that was an absolute cap hell and Division needed to get rival. rid of this guy. Yeah. Like they needed to dump his contract and they were like, No, no, we'll not only take it from you, we'll also hold some of this money too. And it's like I that part to me, I, I just can't wrap my brain around. Jake, Niskanen for Gudis, initial reaction well, when you of, saw it happen. Yeah, piggybacking off of what Kelly just said, like, who were they negotiating against? Like, why did they retain salary if they thought yeah. that they were, he was such a valuable piece to them? Okay, fine, you want him. But who wants him bad enough that they're also going to retain salary to trade a player Mm-mm. for him? Like, I, that part, I don't... Because Washington's back is up against the wall. Exactly. No, see, I don't... I don't necessarily agree with that. Like their their back was up against the wall if they wanted to re-sign Haglin. I don't know if like like if they wouldn't have been able to trade Niskanen, they probably just wouldn't have re-signed Haglin. And they would have, you know, like that was that was the trade-off. You save the money. If if we can't trade Niskanen, then I guess we're just not bringing back Carl Haglin, which like whatever. I mean, you hate him anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, Washington might not agree with me. He's only fast and not good. <laughs> His numbers agree with you, too. Wow. He's a really good play driver, okay? I didn't get to defend this because I wasn't on the show. (laughs) He's literally driven play every year of his career. I don't even know what that means. He's good. (laughs) All right. All right. Uh, I like when pucks go in the net. I like it, too. His teams outscore the other team when Ah. he's on the ice. And he's got nothing to do with it. (laughs) When it happens every single time, every year, he might. He might. Just saying. He's just got good lines. Because he's speedy. Yeah. He That's gets, fine. He's all over the ice. It's good to be able to skate. I yeah. want someone who can score because, like, we don't have enough of those guys either. <laughs> Go, going back to uh, to Niskan and Braun for a second, it, this does strike me in a lot of ways as them identifying things that they need it more of, like not necessarily players, but skill sets they need it more of, and being like, okay, he does that. Let's get him. In addition to, like, for everything I've heard, both of these guys are really, like, like they're obviously veterans, but, like, they're good dudes. They're, they're, they will be good influences on the kids. I think that was part of it. I think part of it is they want to bring more of those types in to guide the young players in terms of their development and whatnot. I think both these guys fit the bill. But going back to my original point with the skill sets, I think they identified they wanted to get another guy who can move the puck very well. Niskanen can still do that. And I think they identified they wanted to get a guy who could be a defensively sound partner for some of the more offensively oriented defensemen they have. So I think what they basically looked at was, all right, Niskanen fits the bill as the puck mover we get. And Braun, you know, Braun's stats recently have been bad. And I think we'll get into them a little bit more detail Oof. later in the show. Bad but, doesn't begin. But they're bad in an interesting way because his defensive stats are actually very good. Yeah, It's just that... Like it's a black hole of offense creation when he plays. But I guess if you're thinking, well, we stick Braun next to Gosses Bear. Gosses Bear does all the offense. Braun makes sure that when Gosses Bear loses his mind sometimes in the defensive zone, Braun covers for him. And then boom, we've got a pairing. Same idea with Sanai. So to me, both of those moves are more like let's fill a skill set need than like let's get a player that in aggregate, is obviously great. And that's, we often fall in love with names. Like, you see, oh, Eric Carlson's, and obviously he signed, Eric Carlson's going to be a free agent, they're going to trade Truba, all these things, and you just fall in love with names when you are, and uh, listen, I, I wanted big splashes, I wanted fun stuff. This is not that. I'm just trying to put a positive spin on it because I can see some logic to these moves. Like, all right, you move Gudis. 
Braun looks like a pretty decent Gudis replacement. I get the possession numbers aren't relatively close, but we often talk about Gudis like, hey, he uh, just shoots, and it's about <laughs> shot attempts the way they measure yeah. production or you know possession. So uh, sometimes those are a little skewed. And what is the one thing Gudis can't do? Pass, which means it's really hard to play him in your top four. It's tough to break out. So that's kind of I th- like. I see positives and negatives to this. Uh, the, the retaining of Gudis' salary, I think, is a little weird, but it's only for this year, yeah, whatever. so whatever. Um, Niskanen is on the books at 575, and you still had to retain a million, though. Yeah, that's, that's weird. It's, it's just, to me, it, it seemed, like Jake said, who were you trying to beat with this deal? Is it in lieu deal? of a draft pick? Like, well, I, don't, I don't think you were trying to beat anyone. It was you were trying to convince Washington to trade to Niskanen. Yeah, okay. like, I don't think Washington was in a position where they had to trade Matt Niskanen. You had to convince Washington to trade Matt Niskanen. Okay. This is how you convince them to right. trade him. All right. So like, before we move on real quick, I just want to go back to something that Charlie said because I don't think it's something that I've seen discussed very much. This idea that these two personalities in the room is kind of a big deal. And it's a bit further down the outline, but there was a quote from the guy that works for NBCSN Washington um, from Gudis, now that he's down there, about the things in Philly being toxic is the word that he used. And Gudis pretty much saying that it was it was difficult and people were having a difficult time playing here. And people weren't handling it well. And perhaps there is something to the fact that you bring in some guys who are level-headed, who have personalities that people like, who can maybe bring a little levity to the room. Like, maybe that is a bit more valuable than we're allowing it to be. And hopefully, th- like, I-, I-, I call bullshit on Andrew McDonald's veteran leadership because, like, he we never won a playoff series yeah. with him, and he's no good on the ice. He was so just it's a, nice a net boy. negative. Yeah. Like, if this is what veteran leadership is supposed to look like, I can buy it. You've got, like... About 200 playoff games between these two guys. Uh, clearly, uh, from all accounts, people like them in the in the dressing room. So uh, I can put that spin on it, too. Okay, all right. If, the, if we're going to address veteran leadership this way, rather than just go, oh, well, here's an old guy. Or, you know, <laughs> uh, here's Which is what we've yeah. been doing for a while now, is just say, hey, there's old guys. Everybody likes Amac. Oh, yeah. He's bad. So I, I feel like there were, there were two ways... They could go about trying to make, trying to do stuff this offseason. There were two different paths they could take. The one path, which is what I think pretty much everybody on this panel was advocating for, was, was just get more talent. Yes. Become more talented, and the problems will solve themselves because you will be so good that if there's any chemistry issues or whatever, it's not going to friggin' matter because we're just going to start rolling people. And if Carter Hart makes makes stops and is a good goalie, then things are going to come together and the talent is going to win out. That was option one, and that was what I think we were hoping for. Option two was basically this concept of we don't have the right fit, and we don't necessarily need to get better from a raw talent standpoint, but everyone needs to fit better together. And I'm not just talking about where they fit in the lineup. I'm talking about how, like, we've talked about it on the show. I think Steph has said it a couple times, this idea that, like, there's something rotten with this team. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but it's something. And Ron yeah, Hextall, something up. And Ron Hextall did nothing to change the team, so it stayed rotten. This is... To me, these moves that they've made so far imply to me that their identification of the issue is not that we are lacking talent. It's that we are lacking something. So let's change stuff and let's bring in some guys who we know are good dudes and we know, you know, allow for us to slot Bill Myers as the third pair right-handed defenseman. Allow us to, to run three lefty defensemen and three righty defensemen. Allow us to use Nolan Patrick as a third-line center. Like All of this just strikes me as them trying to make sure everyone fits better and while also trying to change the culture of the locker room. Do I think the team is necessarily a lot more talented right now? No, I don't. Do I think it fits better? I don't know, but I think they do. I think they think it fits better. Yeah, that's a good point. Cause I agree with what you're saying. Uh, I think that I think the team, uh, like I think Chuck Fletcher looks at it and goes, "Are we that much better on paper right now? No, but just having three lefties and three righties, 
Like it, it's really hard. It's really hard to play the right side as a lefty. Like every puck along the boards, every time they try to clear it up the, every time they try to clear it up the dasher, you're on your backhand and you're probably going to turn it over to a crashing winger. Like it's just the way it happens. And just having these guys with this experience, I think, is good. Now, is it going to result in more wins and fewer goals? That's against? the question. I have no freaking yeah. idea. <laughs> That's like, the question. Like Justin Braun might actually be terrible. Let's look at some of these numbers. Charlie, I got mine from. Uh, I was am I on Braun right now? Yeah, I got mine on Hockey Reference. Um, Corsi for last three years, forty six point five. It was negative seven relative, forty five point six negative eight and a half relative, forty nine point seven negative six point nine relative. That seems uh, not so good. Yeah, no. I don't. I don't love Hockey Reference as an advanced stat site. It's not like it, it gives you a general idea. I don't. Um, I don't think it's the best, but the fact of the matter is, is no matter what site you go on for Justin Braun over the last couple of years, you're not going to see. Good He's numbers. negative five or worse. Yeah, you're not. You're not going to see good numbers wherever you go. Yeah. So, Steph said it before, and you've said it before that sometimes the stats guys don't know how to measure defense. That the defense, like actual defense, doesn't show up in these kinds of stats. And maybe that's what's going to happen here. So Braun is good defensively. Maybe he's just going to be yeah. good defensively. He's not going to score goals. He's not going to, you know, carry the puck a lot. But he's going to be good defensively. And that's not a terrible thing to have. Yeah, and here's... So here's the basically the Justin Braun defense. And this will... I'll go into more detail on this in the, the column I'm writing that will probably be released tomorrow. Um, the thing with Justin Braun, which is very interesting about him especially over the last couple of years, is that his usage has been odd in the sense that it's basically put him in a position, particularly this year, it put him in a position where his metrics were going to be bad. And let me explain why. So he was used primarily on a shutdown pairing with, with Mark, Mark Edward Vlasic. Obviously, in the offseason last summer, the, the Sharks got Eric Carlson. They've long had Brent Burns. So they had two great defensemen, and then they had this shutdown pair of of, uh, of Vlasic and, and Braun. What they basically had Braun do was they had him taking like all of the tough all of the tough minutes. He was like the main guy who they sent out there against first line competition. Yet he never played with Carlson or Burns. And the the thing with relative metrics, and this is. Some of them are better than others that accounted for this, but they all have run into this weakness is that the basis of relative possession metrics are how does the team do when a guy is on the ice? How does the team do when the guy is off the ice? If the team does better when the guy is off the ice, he's bad. If the team does better when a guy is on the ice, he's good. Well, here's the thing. If your role is just to face the toughest competition while never getting the help of the two guys on the team whose job it is to create offense and drive play, you're probably going to look pretty shitty by relative metrics. So that's really the defense of Braun, is that he never got to play with Carlson and Burns, whose job it was to score all the goals and drive all the play. And his job was basically to take tough minutes and try not to get slaughtered in them. I don't think he's going to be used in that role here. So maybe it'll work out a lot better. That's that in my mind. That's the defense of Braun. I don't think many players were used in that ridiculously skewed type of usage as Justin Braun anywhere around the league. Yeah, I mean, this, with both of these trades, I'm still willing to let this. Like, I'm not going to make a judgment on how good or bad these trades are until I see what they look like on the ice. I just can't do it. It's it's and again when we're talking about whether the metrics or not can really quantify great defensive play, you know I, I saw a graphic today that was like uh, entries denied and things like that about Braun and it looked pretty positive. Yeah. Uh, he's got a lot of uh, for you know that crowd out there the real time stats, a lot of hits, a lot of blocks. He plays over two minutes and uh, two minutes a night short handed. This team has so much trouble killing penalties. Mm -hmm. uh, getting guys who can help them do that is important. Now, I'd rather just have a lot of good players, but yeah, and, and I mean the, the PK has been such a problem yeah. for so long. The thing with penalty killing, though, that's tough is like 
just because a guy is used on a penalty kill yeah. doesn't mean he's good at it. So, but at the same time, the guys who they've been throwing out there for the last four years are kill penalties bad. clearly aren't good yeah, at it. So. I know that those guys are bad. So, like anyone who isn't them has to be an upgrade in my mind. Like yeah. that's just the way I look at it. The thing that just is bothering me is that I didn't expect. Chuck's first big moves to be so confusing to me. And this is something that Jake said before the show, that every single one of these moves, it brings up another question, like, wait a minute, what are we doing here? And especially for me, like this Braun deal, it's like, it's June 18th. Like, like you said, like Carlson and Truba are gone. Your number three option was Justin Braun. No. You had to go get him right now. Like, yeah. what? what is the rush... I, I don't know. that The timing of this is really yeah. something fans are having trouble with because uh, news starts leaking out over the weekend. Hey, that Carlson deal, it's getting done and it's a doozy. And it is. Like, that's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we talked about what it potentially might be uh, and it was that and more. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, Truba is a name we've been talking about since the trade deadline and he gets dealt. Well... God. The Flyers make a move for a defenseman, and it's Justin Braun. It didn't help that it was directly after the Truba thing yeah. because Flyers fans lost their collective shit over mm-hmm. the fact that the Flyers didn't get Truba. Like, again, it's the same kind of thing with Quenville. Like, we were never even in the mix. Like, his wife is going to be a doctor and wants to be a resident in New York City. Like, he wanted to yeah. go to New York. That's all that was happening. See, I don't know if I buy that. I, I I definitely buy that he that he's he wants to make sure his wife is in a good situation or his fiance. I don't know if they're married yet. I think it's fiance. But like there are good hospitals in Philly. And yeah, there's the, a and, lot of them. Yeah, and, and the way residency works is like you rank your you rank yeah. your matches. So if he would have known he was gonna be in Philadelphia and he would have chosen to sign in Philadelphia she could have just matched all of her all of her hospitals at like University of Penn and stuff like that and very well might have gotten it. The thing with He also wanted to be in New York. He very well might have, might yeah. have wanted to be. But the thing too is that I just don't I don't think the Flyers were willing to give up the 11th overall pick unless they knew for sure they could re-sign Truba. And yeah. it was and it was impossible for them to know. What they basically if what they the way they would have beaten New York's offer would have been you offer the 11th and like hey or something you get him you get him knowing that there's absolutely zero guarantee he's going to resign and then you spend the next 12 months trying to convince him to resign maybe you do maybe you don't but I don't think they were willing to give up the 11th pick on a maybe I mean they explicitly said they weren't going to give it up for a rental yeah. and and to that point the the offer from New York was terrible like what Winnipeg got isn't good so in reality 29 other teams probably could have beat that package for Jacob Truba, and they didn't. So perhaps there's a reason why all of the other teams weren't willing to give up something more than a late first-round pick and an absolute nightmare of a defenseman. Like, maybe they (laughs) could have done... I just feel like there had to be a reason. Like, it's one thing if the Rangers put together a really good package and ended up getting this guy because they knew that they could sign him. They didn't. Any team could have beaten that package. None of them did. Like, there has to be, a, if you think that through, there has to be a reason why all of the other teams also decided they did not want to be in on the Jacob Truba thing. I think the biggest reason for me why I wanted Truba specifically is it it gave you a certainty. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, even though he, you can debate whether he's number one, number two, number three, whatever, he is definitely someone you can stick with Provrov and say, that hole is filled. Like, I feel like with these moves... You can conceivably fill out the roster right now, and yet you still feel like it's not complete. Yeah. That's, that's all scary. the every projection I'm looking at, like, hey, say we don't get a really good middle six winger, and we just say, hey, Ryan Hartman, guess what? You're 3RW now. Like, man, I that's am less not, than ideal. I am not in love with what this roster could look like, even if they do re-sign Kevin Hayes, which we'll get to in a little bit. Yeah, well, um, you're, you're basically banking on, assuming they sign Kevin Hayes, you're basically... If this is the roster, and it might not be, they might still do more stuff, but if this is the roster, then basically what you're doing is you are banking on the young players taking a step forward, but you, but your your theory behind it is you're banking on the young players taking steps forward in an environment where they're in better roles and an environment that hopefully is less toxic. That That's what you are trying to do if you're done. Now, I don't know if they're done, but that, I would assume, is what you're trying to do if this is the roster. 
We are going to take a quick ad break right here. We will be back on the other side. We're going to talk about what this could mean for, well, one of my favorite players on the roster. All right, fam, and we are back, and now I just have to ask everyone, because this is like something my friends, like my phone's been blowing up all day. Bill, does this mean Ghost is gone? Like, the way we keep talking about it, hey, our six looks like this right now, and it very well could, but they have a lot of money allocated on defense, and granted, Niskanen signed only through 2021. Braun is only signed through this year, so he's a rental. So it's not like they've made some long-term investments, but we've heard the rumors around Ghost for a long time now, and they have like eight, nine defensemen, if you, depending on if you want to count Slumco or not. <laughs> uh, and it's just kind of confusing about the situation. What is? What do you guys think is going to happen with Gostaspare as we move forward through this offseason? Like, if you were to put money on it, is Ghost here on opening night? Oh, God. I don't know, man. I just I I hope that they aren't going to trade him because if they do, you've really not solved any problem on your defense. You've just opened up another one. And that's problematic. And then I mean, I I guess theoretically if you were to move him, you would be moving him for that right wing that we need. Um, which would be good, but then you you still have a hole in the defense and what are you filling that with? And I don't know. I, I hope that they don't, but I certainly wouldn't be surprised if they did. I almost feel like they're in a position where they, and this is, it's not totally correct. I almost feel like they're in a position where if they trade Gosses Bear, they can't win the trade. No, yeah. Because That's how you, I felt this whole time. If you I don't trade think him they for can. that right wing, right, whoever that right wing is, is he going to make the same impact that Ghost would on this team? And then how do you feel Ghost? position like the first thing that popped in my head and i hated this the first thing that popped in my head but when ryan braun got traded here ryan braun so yeah, did it. Ah, there it is we did, ah, it. did it we got one I knew I was gonna <laughs> so when justin braun got traded here the first thing i thought of was vino had a very similar pair in new york in his last year to like a haig braun pair oh Oh, no. And that scared the ever-loving shit out of me jake don't put that out in the universe so like i can't I just can't conceivably see a point where Ghost fits a lot better now where he's at. Yeah. And I feel like if you move him, you're just creating a hole on a defense that you should have conceivably been trying to get better and you're going to make worse. Yeah. Yeah, see, I don't, I don't know about that because if, if you look at the defense, and th- this is why, like, I, don't, I don't think Ghost is definitely getting moved, but I do believe that today's trade makes it more plausible that he does. Like it went from being like you know ten to fifteen percent chance to like twenty five to thirty percent chance in my Today's mind. Today's trade makes me want him moved less. But but mm-hmm. but here's yeah. here here's the justification and and why it to me it it makes more sense that they would think that it makes sense if that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because so all right so you got Proveroff is your one. Mm-hmm. Sanheim is your is your second guy on the depth chart as on on the left side. Then you got Niskanen and Braun. They are one two right handed defensemen on the, right, on side, the yeah. right side. Phil Myers. They flat out said Fletcher flat out said on Saturday he is our third pair right handed defenseman. That's part of the reason why we move Gudis because that is Phil Myers' spot. So that's Phil Myers' spot. So that pretty much leaves third guy on the depth chart on the left side for Ghost. Now. Can you have a $4.5 million number five defenseman? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, shit, the Flyers did it years ago with Andre Mazaros. Like, it can be done. <laughs> but you also have two guys Mazzaros, on man. the roster <laughs> he was good. right now in Robert Haig and Sam Moran, who for a lot cheaper, like, that is their, their, their role is third-pair left-handed defenseman. And they are a lot cheaper than Ghost, and they you could easily slide one or both of them in if you want to kind of trade them off, depending upon who's playing better at the time, because not many teams keep eight defensemen. But Usually teams keep seven for on their team. So you trade Ghost... Because you look at your forwards, if you sign Kevin Hayes, it's like, wow, there's that big glaring hole at right top nine right wing. We trade Ghost for that top nine right wing. We have our seven defensemen with everybody in their proper roles. We get that right wing. There's our roster. We're done, guys. 
It just it, I can see how they would say to themselves, this is what makes sense from a role standpoint. Yeah, but those two defensemen that you mentioned are bad. We I mean, don't know if one of them is bad. I know. It just seems like a very hockey man attitude. It sure does. Yes. Like, it is for Which sure. is why I think it's more plausible. Yeah, right. yeah, you're which not wrong. Which is the scary part. That's This whole time I've thought like, oh, move Ghost for a good middle six forward and that's fine. Like, I love Ghost. He's one of my favorite players on the team, as I said before the break. But I get it, you know. You got you to gotta give something to get something. I mean, here's the thing. If they do get a very good right wing in return... Am I that mad? I mean, yes, but less so. The thing that keeps coming up is the cost. What is this cap looking like now? It doesn't feel like they have nearly as much space. They don't have a lot of space. No. As they did, like when we were saying this, like leading up to this whole offseason, they have all these assets, they have all these picks, and they have all this cap space. Tons of room. It doesn't feel like they do. And like I said, they haven't made any long-term commitments. And I mean, they haven't re-signed Kevin Hayes yet. That'll cost something, and it'll be substantial. But... They've, they're still spending money on these guys. Like, it costs money to buy out Andrew McDonald, less than he would have made, but it yeah. costs money to retain Radko Gudis' salary and take on Niskanen's almost six, and Braun comes in at almost four. It seems like they have less than we thought. They blew a lot of it real quick here. Yeah. And I did not expect that to happen. Yeah, the, uh, the calculations I did today um, after the trade is that if you, if, if you plug in 6.5 mil for Hayes, assuming they sign him, and you go with all of Evolving Wild's projections for the contracts for the RFAs. That gives you about $79.3 million worth of cap expenditures locked into your roster right now. And it's like 83? And originally we thought the cap ceiling was going to be 83. Now we're getting reports it might be lower. We're getting reports 82, maybe even into the high 81s. Hmm. So suddenly, we're looking at two and a half to three million dollars left, and that's assuming that all of the RFAs take Evolving Wild's projection. They might not. Provorov wants more than 6.7. I think he wants significantly more. Like, I'm not, I'm not talking like eight mil, but like he's he's not. They're not quibbling over like 6.8 versus 6.9. Like mm-hmm. he, I think he wants over seven. 6.9. There we yeah, go. Yeah, that's a nice salary. And Konechny and Sandheim in Evolving Wilds projections, both were signed to bridge deals. They might want to go long-term on one of those guys, and you go long-term on one of those guys, you got to pay him more. So, like, that could be it, which is, again, why trading Ghost yeah. might, be, might, might make sense to them, because it's like, well, we've got cheap guys who can fill that number six defenseman role, and if we need to get that winger... We don't have any money to do it anymore unless we swap contracts with someone, and the contract that's easiest to swap is Shane Goss's Bears. How do you guys feel about the um, the growing sentiment that I am right now putting out there, so people will, <laughs> so that people I'm will start to believe it? Extremely ready for that. This. The Washington Capitals are actually now the Cup favorites for no other reason than they acquired a flyer. Oh, for fuck's sake, Bill. <laughs> Can we just? I just had to get it in. I, I, you know. I mean, I know a lot of people made this joke after the trade, but it's it's, it's such a great joke in that like Ragkugudis and Tom Wilson are the Bash Brothers from yes, Mighty Ducks too. Like they are. They're a hundred percent the Bash Brothers from Mighty Ducks too. If we had traded Ragkugudis for Tom Wilson, I'd be so excited about this season. <laughs> you don't even understand how excited I'd be. But no, Matt Niskanen. It's fun to write and say. Give him that, yeah. That's Nisky, fun. I like, I like that. it. Yeah. Uh, do we have any updates on Kevin Hayes? Like, has anything really come out about potential numbers? Rumor I saw tweets. one. Just yeah, I've seen rumor tweets. Well, we got like, Bob, oh, I actually, mean, it's going to be even more than you think. Tweet, well, right? Bob. Yeah. Yeah. And then oh, 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 Bob. When Uncle yeah. Bob tweets something, it's it's, it, true. it's yeah. true. Yeah. And his tweet was basically that nothing's done yet, but they're optimistic. And he threw out six point five as like you know the market value. He might get a little bit more. Um, I'm guessing if he signed, it's going to be like 6.75. I could see that. For seven years. I mean, the draft is in two days, oh, right? What's yeah. the, three days? What's today? Tuesday. I always think it's Wednesday. Do we used to do the show we on did. Wednesdays? We did, yes. So, right. That's yes. why I'm always confused. It's true. Uh, Taylor's just like <laughs> Taylor just ruined our lives yeah. with moving He's us like, to how Tuesday. How do you not know what day you record? Because <laughs> I never know what day it is. Uh, but yeah, uh, like at, it has to get done in the next three days, right? 
Not necessarily. I mean, I, I think the the more more of the deadline is probably that uh that interview day, mm. the interview period, which I believe is what the twenty third. I think it's a week before July first is when interview day an interview day is, or is it the Monday after the draft? Not yeah, like right. a Sunday or yeah. the Monday, something like that. So I think that is more the deadline. Um, but I guess like plausibly, if you have intentions of flipping a guy for you know flipping a guy's rights a second time, like they did with Ham Hughes, they that's all you, I'm thinking. But of, I yeah. don't th- I don't know if they will. Like I just the only reason why they flipped Ham Hughes is because they basically figured out that like Ham Hughes was signing in only one place. He was going home. Let's try to screw over the Penguins before they <laughs> figure it out too. Always a good plan. Which was yeah. great, and that yeah. was hilarious. But I don't get the sense that Hayes is. I think Hayes is just in the in the position where he's like. I want the most money. Right. Yeah. I'm gonna hit the market in a year. Matt Duchesne gets played like a one's paid like a one C, and that means I'm gonna get more. You have to pay me what I was gonna get on the market, not some oh well I'm signing here early kind of a deal. I don't like. Listen, I always want guys to get their money. I understand it. I just want some roster certainty here. Yeah. I need to, like the options at two C now are. Uh, what beyond Kevin Hayes? Well, I mean Pavelski, I guess. I was thinking after the after the after deal the got Carlson done. Thing, yeah. But then of course we take on Braun for them to help them out a little bit. <laughs> yeah. You know? We're helping everybody with their cap situation. That's the forty first pick. Like I realize there's a big difference between eleven and forty one, but you did trade it for a rental. Like and mm-hmm. I don't care about draft picks this year. Nope. Going into our party on Friday, I don't want the Flyers to have a pick. Or trade it there. That'll, <laughs> trade it there. That'll be fun too. I'm just saying, like, I don't want them picking at 11 or at all in the first round. Now it'll be the first two rounds. That's kind of like, ooh. But yeah, uh, it's. I just feel like we could have got more for 41. That's that's my man to three next year, yeah. maybe. And I don't care but they about didn't. picks. I know, but they didn't. <laughs> like, I don't care if they draft nobody this year. Yeah, I, I, I'm. I'm over. I'm over the future. I, I can't say I'm. I'm. On that level with you, I know, Bill. But I, I know, I know you're you. <laughs> I'm like halfway there. Like I, I, just, I don't. It I, does nothing for me. You need to do something for me now. It's, it's been. It, it, we're gonna cool. The Stock the cupboards. <laughs> okay, f- whatever. You can do that next year. This year, I need you to do something on the ice. Uh, so, like, if you were to guess, Charlie, yes. Does Kevin Hayes sign here? Yeah, I think so. I, I, I think the, you know the. <sighs> The funny thing about Kevin Hayes is that he pooped on a car. Well, that that is the rumor. Um, but, but, <laughs> Who among us, right? <laughs> but the funny thing about Kevin Hayes is that the the tweet that literally sent Flyers Twitter into a tailspin oh, was actually the first time where I'm like, I think they're going to sign this guy. And it was the tweet from Frank Saravalli last week when he was like, Yeah, you know. The, the meeting went okay, but you know what teams he really likes? He really likes Columbus and Arizona. That's who he might go to. And it was just that tweet. That was, makes me want to kill no, myself. But, but, but that was the intention. And it was, it was it quite possibly was the most telegraphed leak from an agent yeah. to, to a writer that I have ever freaking seen in my life. And it was so bad. And I'll tell you why it was so bad. Number one, everyone knew it was coming straight from the agent. Number two, there have been very strong rumors that Kevin Hayes, this has been going for like the better part of a year, that Kevin Hayes wanted to end up in one of two places. He wanted to either end up in New York, to stay in New York, or he wanted to go to Boston. Those and, and that's what people in the game have been talking yeah. about for months. And the fact that the agent, in his brilliant strategy, <laughs> leaks that not only do I want more money from you, I will turn you down for freaking Columbus and Arizona. I like, feel like it was just the most like unbelievable <laughs> thing. It made no sense. That's and if it. I was Fletcher, I'm looking at it like Okay, go fucking sign with the Coyotes. Have fun. That's the tweet like that hit me over the head. Like that's for the people like me who are like, see, no <laughs> one wants to play here. Oh god, like that's the straight up red meat. But but for- but to me, yeah. that was the intention. Yeah, of basically, course. what his yeah. agent was trying to do was trying to pressure Fletcher to give him more money because he was trying to shame him into basically <laughs> saying like, oh, we can't get beat by those teams. Because not only does he have a fan base that is desperate for the team to do something, he also has higher-ups who are calling him every day being like, when are you going to do stuff? And for them to see that tweet makes them lose their 
minds. And that was the intention, I bet, which is why, to me, that just that screamed to me, we will sign with you. You just need to give us more money. And my fear the whole time with Hayes was not that he wouldn't sign. My fear with Hayes was that he just didn't want to sign with the Flyers. Yeah. That it was going to be a Hamu situation all over again where he had his, his idea of exactly where he wanted to go, and the Flyers were going to find out in a few days that, like, yeah, you guys are cool, but, like, I'm going back there and sorry. And once his agent... In, in my and like I don't know for a fact it was his agent who said that, but it makes the most sense that it was his agent who leaked that directly to Saravali. Once his agent opened the door to other teams, it no longer was he wants to go home. It was he wants the money. And once we're just talking about money, the Flyers have the money. <sighs> That's what I like to hear, Charlie. That's yeah. what I like to hear. Uh, you weren't with us last week, and Jake, you're here this week, so I want you to jump in. Uh, of course, if you haven't li- started listening yet, we're doing our mock draft series. It has been fun so far. Please listen. There's going to be more out this week. Uh, we're going through the whole first round. Uh, uh, the six of us at Broad Street Hockey Radio each got assigned teams. Steph pulled numbers out of hats <laughs> and somehow ended up with the first pick and the Vegas Golden Knights. I ended up with six. Six, the last pick of us in the first round, and <laughs> Ottawa. There's something a little fishy about this one. Uh, but, Charlie, I just want to get your thoughts on 11 if the Flyers uh, end up keeping the pick and making uh, making the selection. who Just give us a name or two that you like at 11. Um, so the one guy who I think I've sort of zeroed in on is the one I'm kind of hoping they get is Peyton Krebs. I, the, the more Brandy. I watch him, the more I like Brandy. him. And I think there's a decent chance he'll be there at 11 because he had that partial Achilles tear that like may scare teams enough to get him down to that spot. And this is me just talking about guys who like I think have a good chance of being there. Like Obviously, if Dylan Cousins slips, take him. You know, if uh, like if Trevor Zegras slips, take him. But the chances of them slipping, like, yeah, there's a plausible scenario they do. I don't think is necessarily going to happen. If Cole Caulfield's there and yes. they don't take him, I won't be happy because I no. love Cole Caulfield a lot. But, like, I don't think he's necessarily going to be there. I, I don't think, think so either. I think Peyton Krebs has a decent chance of being there, and I like him a lot. Um, like, other guys who could be, like, I like Alex Newhook a lot. I think he's going to be there. I would be, I would be totally fine with that pick. You're hearing that if there's a guy who's going to slip out of the top ten, it might be Matthew Boldy. I'd be totally fine with that too. Ooh. So like those are those are probably the three guys who I've sort of zeroed in on as the guys I'm hoping they end up with. Um, is that who they're going to end up with? Not necessarily, but those are the kind of the guys I'm hoping they end up with. Jake, do you have any thoughts about eleven? Honestly, those were the three exact players I was going to talk about. Um, the interesting thing with Krebs is he just tore his Achilles. Yeah, par- partial Achilles. Tear. Right. Oh, that's funny. so he's using my PT brain. He's going to be <laughs> at least six months before he steps on the ice. Um, how that affects his draft stock? Who really knows? I mean, it, it probably shouldn't um, because he's young enough that he's going to be resilient enough to recover from that injury. It's not going to be a long term issue for him. If he was thirty five, it'd be a lot different. Um, but yeah, Matthew Boldy's a guy I really like. Um, I think his skating is good enough. There's some concern over his skating, but it's good enough. It's he's not a disaster on it. He's not Matthew Strom. Um, and Newhook's just a talented kid. I, I think people overlook him a little bit just because he plays in a lower tier league. But um, he's got a lot of skill. He's fast. He's quick. He reminds me of Konechny a little bit in that way. Um, Caulfield's the dream. That is the yeah. dream. Caulfield's Give me the, the small goal boy. That's yeah, all Caulfield, I want. Caulfield would be neat. For like the months leading up, it seemed like it was a real possibility. Yeah. And in the last... He decided uh, to go on and in score the last, 75 like, goals. month, it feels like he shot up everybody's board. Well, I, think, yeah, sure. I think Caulfield's in a position where there are some teams that really, really like him, and there are some teams that just won't take him that high. And a lot of it's just going to come down to how the board shakes out. Like the one team I keep hearing that could potentially take him high is LA and they're at five that they they could be the team that's like we want the small goal boy we're taking him at five (laughs) that said if Bowen Byram is still there at five I think they take him over Caulfield and if they take Byram instead of Caulfield then you're like who takes Caulfield somebody Mm -hmm. might but like then you could plausibly see him starting to fall because I think a lot of the other teams are looking at centers in the in the back half of the top ten. And if that happens, then you never know where he ends up. Do you think that the Flyers' complete lack of defensive prospect at this point means that they might decide to, rather than go BPA outright, do like a Soderstrom or something because they want to refill the defensive 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think there's there's a, a decent chance they go defense, and the, the yeah. two the, the two guys I think are most likely are, are Philip Broberg and Victor Soderstrom. Mm-hmm. Those are the two guys that if, if they go defense, I think it'll I think it will be one of those two. Like my preference, actually, like out of the non Byram defensemen is uh, is Cider, the German. Oh, okay. He's my second favorite defenseman in the draft, but I get the sense that the Swedes they like more mm-hmm. if they were to go defense. But we'll see. And I mean, if they stick with this supposed theme of just trying to find fits within the organization it makes more sense to take a defenseman because they're thinner there yep yeah I, that's I, that's kind of been the thought like you always oh we're gonna take the best player available like all right if the best player available is, I mean, it's not going to be but if the best player available is a goalie we're you, like you know we're well, that's not, the thing and it's also know? the best player available according to your internal rankings like it yeah, doesn't yeah. mean that it's the best player available objectively like it's you know what they've decided is the next best player available yeah. like when you take Robert. sam moran yeah, Broberg is, Broberg is very divisive. I'm dying He's for very Broberg. divisive. I like, love him. If he, if he hits, he'll be great. But there's a lot of concern, I think, about his hockey sense, which um, which obviously is scary because it's probably the most important thing for a player. Um, but and the, you can't the, really the, teach it. The physical tools are tools through the roof with him. So like, if he hits, he could be fantastic. All he has to do is hit. He can be the Swedish Sam Moran. I don't think oh, he's God, like... No, he's you. not. Yeah, he's not a particular... It's not that he's not willing to be physical. He's just he's obviously not like a, like a bruiser type. No, he's more he of just can't. an amazing skater. And I'll take that. I like skating. <laughs> I hear it's important in the uh, game of hockey. It is a pivotal part <laughs> Dad, of the, like uh, the his ice sport. name sports. is Bro. We need that. <laughs> uh, he scores a goal. Just the whole crowd. Bro. You want to bring back Bro, bro him for bro, bro. bro? Oh, we got Bro him yeah, back. It's perfect. Uh, last, <laughs> last, we're going to close with... What the hell are they doing in net behind behind Hart? Like, yeah, am I, I going to be watching Alex Lyon really this year? No, it is like, interesting, right? Like, they're they're going to get someone, but I don't. All of a sudden, it sounds like it's not going to yeah. be Cam Talbot or, or, or Brian uh, Elliott, or Brian Elliott, which yeah. is wild because like I be would have bet money that it would have been one of those two. Because why wouldn't it be? Like, it's extremely interesting to me that they're just going completely off board with this backup goalie situation. Yeah, I almost. Like it was, it was very interesting to me that Fletcher, in his Saturday, uh, his Saturday conversation with uh, with reporters, basically said that we have been looking at trade options because yeah. number one, you have two guys you own their rights that you could negotiate with for that spot, and number two, I just haven't heard that many goalies out there on the trade market. Yeah, like the only guy, who? the only guy I've heard is James Reimer, and that's it. Like, like a, a guy who fits with what the Flyers yeah. are looking for. Like, you hear Jonathan Quick. I don't think Jonathan Quick is a fit behind, yeah. behind Carter Hart. No. But you hear him. But, like, I just don't see how that works. Reimer, I could see. That makes some sense to me. But beyond him, like, it would have to be somebody who we're not, like, publicly aware is available. Which is possible. There could be guys out there like that that we just, you know, haven't, haven't been in rumors but teams are talking about. I almost wonder... If it's a uh, if him going public with the idea that we're looking into trades is him trying to bring down the asks from one of Elliot or Talbot's agent, okay. I, I, I wonder because it just it seemed very it was very forthright and like GMs in general are not that forthright. He's been that way. Like we've talked about this. Yeah, that's fair. He just kind of says what he's thinking sometimes. And I like I, I love it because we get to come on here and it's an actual topic when because he said he's actually looking at goalies outside of those two, but at the same time I'm like yo dude uh, maybe not maybe yeah. don't tell me everything I'm an idiot like <laughs> I don't need to know this shit I just want the team to be good I just I just don't love the idea of giving up assets more assets and or, again, it's totally fair for I, I mean. Is Reimer like appreciably better as a backup than Cam Talbot or Brian Elliott? Uh, yeah, maybe? did they just hate what they saw out of Talbot? Do they I mean, think Talbot he's was that pretty bad. bad. Yeah, I, I, like I'm and just Elliot willing. Elliott is broken in a lot of places. Yeah, but he's good. <laughs> I have so few, I have so little interest in Brian Elliott. It's insane. I have all of the interest like, in Brian Elliott. Brian Elliott is a warrior. <laughs> Brian Elliott is a warrior, and I appreciate him. Honestly, costing himself money by keeping the trying yeah. play hurt for this damn team that sucked with or without him didn't matter. Like, good for you, man. Thanks for playing, but you probably shouldn't have done it. I just don't see him being able to play 
25 games. And that's like... He'd try real hard, though, Bill. He certainly would, and I would appreciate <laughs> it again. But his ability to fulfill the duties of backup yeah. look to be about the same chances as Michael Neuvert. Yeah, fair. What if they bring him back? Shut your fucking mouth. <laughs> how that, about... That would be unreal. How about Tony Stoli from Third Street? Okay, good. No. He's also broken in many places. Yeah, he's, he's also... I've had enough now, of him. Like, if I was a goalie, I just wouldn't want to come here. But no, you're going to get them. hurt. Yeah. We don't know what to do with goaltenders. Carter Hart is currently demanding a trade. Oh, my God. Don't joke about this. Oh, Seriously. Not funny. It's really not. I mean, it, if if Carter Hart loves Cam Talbot as a human being and wants him around, I kind of like that is value to me. Like I want Carter Hart to be happy on Same. every single level. Yeah. So if if playing with Cam Talbot makes him happy, then fucking sign Cam Talbot. I don't know. How bad could he be in Charlie, 20 games? Charlie just mentioned Quick, and now that's all I want. I fucking hate you. <laughs> I hate Jonathan Quick so much. I know you do. He's the worst. So He's not good. He is really good. Is he? Yes. Is he? As a backup, he'd be... At $5 million? I was going to say, yeah, what do we got to pay him? Our starter's making nine hundred k. It's fine. We just yeah, talked about how they don't have that don't much have cap space. Money. Yeah. So why that's not? why we're trading for <laughs> Yeah, they got to trade ghosts to get if fucking Jonathan gonna, Quick. If do not put that into the universe. <laughs> if they're not going to get, you know, Panarin or Carlson or anyone fun, do ridiculous shit. I'm fine with them doing boring little moves this summer if it means the team is better. Well, that's what it boils down to in the end. Like, we can talk about how we need them to do a flashy move to get the fans back. Nuh-uh. But like when it what it boils and there is some there is truth to that. Like there's truth to that in the sense that if for example, if the Phillies did not get Bryce Harper, yet stormed out of the gate, winning a ton of games, the fans would have eventually come, but it probably would have taken until like June or July where they're like, Okay, I've actually believe this team is for real. If the Flyers don't do something big, they're not going to get those casual fans right back in there by game one. But if it's game 42 and they're leading the division, the fans will come back. The fans want to see a winner, and if they believe that this team is a winner, regardless of how it's constructed, they will come back. They just need to believe. The easiest way to get them to believe is to get a big-name player who they know. Well, here's the thing. like As a not a baseball expert just watching casually on television, it would... It would appear that that initial splash of ticket sales has dried up quite a bit as the team has not been performing. Oh yeah, the weekday games well. are still rough. I mean, they're still like that's I mean, the thing is, I know they're baseball, still over they don't. thirty thousand, but like yeah. stadiums are so goddamn. I just big. think that it's a whole thing. Yeah, perhaps you're not, you know, rocking sellouts in October if we don't sign a big-name player, but if they are consistently winning yeah. and they're winning games in a way that's fun, yeah. the players are going to come... I mean, the fans are going to come back. Exactly. That, like, that's really all the Flyers need to do is win games. Yeah. I hate that we're in this spot again, but I can't say that it's the wrong spot to be. They need their young players to be what they we thought they were going to be. Yep. Yeah, it's not going to be, yeah. oh yeah, we got Artemi Panera and everything's... Oh, drop my water bottle. <laughs> it's empty. Uh, like it's not going to be. Yeah, we got a, a thirty goal, hundred point guy. Everything's yeah. fine. It's hey, you know, Travis Konechny, you need to be an all star from day one, not yeah. from December on. Same Oscar with Nolan Limblom, Patrick. Yeah. Nolan Patrick, Travis Sanheim, Ivan Provorov, Carter Hart, and the most important one, Carter Hart. Now, yeah, it's really, yeah, it's on yeah. him. Yeah, that's the thing. I can't believe I'm putting it on him, but it really is at this point. It really it doesn't matter who this team gets. You're right. If that if that group of players doesn't perform well or take steps forward, it literally doesn't matter. And what they looking do this at off-season. the moves they've made, is if they sign Hayes, what 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 did we say about him? Good, reliable two way center will be harder to play against. Yeah. What are Niskanen and I keep wanting to say Truba? What are <laughs> what still are have Nis- it in your head? We got what Truba. are Niskanen and Braun best at? Playing defense. Well, you put a good defense in front of a good goalie and hope to win that way. Yeah. It's not a bad strategy. It's not the worst strategy. No. I just like, no, the, I want to yeah. be Tampa. Yeah, I well, know it's yeah. not going to yeah. happen, but. <laughs> well, the, the way we, we kind of spoke to this earlier, the way that the, the types of moves they have made so far definitely imply that what this offseason whether it was the intention or whether they just kind of audibled into this being the what they were going to do because it's what the, the moves that were out there was the moves that were out there. What this offseason is becoming is let's make our moves 
to put the kids in better situations so they can be as good as they possibly can be. Now, that's great, and that's, in a way, it's kind of admirable, but, like, well, damn, the kids better be good. Also, I mean, we've kind of been asking for that for a long time, right? Like, play the kids. The kids are good. And okay. stop, like, doing the rookie hazing. Guess what? You get to play with Andrew McDonald. Right, and stop <laughs> plugging holes with shitty veterans that are only old and not good. Well, so- hopefully these two defensemen are not shitty veterans. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like, that's what I was just going to say. Like, there's a good chance one of these two is Dale Weeks. <laughs> like, there's a, re- there's a good chance they aren't. I'm just, like, I'm very 50-50 50, 50, on yeah. this right now, and that's what I want to close with. Um, next Tuesday, when we're doing this show, we'll have done the draft. We'll kind of get an idea of where some UFAs are going. We will probably know whether or not Kevin Hayes is going to be here. Are we happy or sad on Tuesday? What do you think? We'll start with Jake. Happy or sad? Just happy or sad? Can we be indifferent? Yes, <laughs> we absolutely. <laughs> that's, like our that's our default our, position. Yeah, that's just yeah, what we do. Do you think they've made one more impact move? By next Tuesday, I, I think yes. if if I had to guess, and I'm people aren't going to like, I think by next Tuesday people will be mad. Yay! All right, well, it's good for the show, baby. Sorry, be I mad just... with us, fam. Come back, <laughs> we will be here, and I will be mad for you. Uh, my name is Bill Matz. For Jake, for Kelly, for Charlie, uh, come out to our draft party. It's yeah. going to be a really good time. Field House. When does it start? Six p.m. Six. I'm going to get there at like seven, but come at six. If Charlie's uh, correct, we can all be super pissed off together. Yeah, we can all be real pissed <laughs> together. Going to be drink specials. It's right there on Market Street. Have a great week, everybody.